Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Real Dilly Sports Podcast. This is Mar, and this is the first time that we have this going here, so bear with me. I haven't done a podcast or a vlog or any type of video thing in a long, long time, but I'm looking to get into a few things. More particularly, I want to take my attention straight to the Sixers and what I saw, which was amazing fourth quarter defense being played out there uh, by Josh Richardson, and by Matisse Seibel, by the whole team. Um, without Embiid being in, turns out he has a fractured hand, so that injury question pops up again is, will this man ever stay healthy uh, for an extended amount of time? Now, granted, it's nothing where it's like a knee injury or an ankle injury. It was a dislocated finger. Ended up becoming a ligament tear. So probably the other game when he went back in, that's probably where that shit happened. Um, probably would have been something where if I were a coach or a health trainer, I would probably told him to sit his ass down, but like, let's just evaluate this hand. Granted, it looked dislocated, but it ended up getting worse over time. Um, another thing that I've been noticing with the Sixers, these, these slow starts, very slow starts, very, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to play the game, you know, play the chess match in the beginning of the game. And it's like, even though we've played Boston many times and we've beaten Boston, you know, that the Boston doesn't seem to change up their attack pattern. They always have that same attack pattern. Now it just involves Kemba and having Kemba lead the point and having him take control and open up those opportunities. But then again, come that fourth quarter, we've seen how the Sixers shut that down. You know, mismatching it. They're putting Ben on Kemba where there is a definite mismatch between players there, which really, really looks like, is something that can be useful, especially come playoff time. That's the big thing, coming to playoff time, and how can we utilize that? I also want to see Ben take a few more shots. I know he takes the little one-hook jam at the back end, or he does a little hook shot there, but I want to see some more creativity on plays on getting him open to take those threes. We know he can shoot it. We know he can possibly make it, and we know what he can do there. You know, that's not something that – is unheard of by any means necessary. Now, speaking of Ben, there's been some contact, or not contact, so to speak, excuse me on that. There's been some notion of talk in most sports radio outlets here in Philadelphia that I've been hearing about, oh, but should they trade Ben? Why would you? You know, why would you trade Ben when you put all this time, effort, process into getting him, into having him bead and having those two be your one-two punch? Having that third guy, could it be Thibel? Maybe. Could it be Richardson? From what I saw tonight, it possibly could be Richardson. Could it be Tobias, who they gave the a max deal to? You know, could it be him? That third person is still up in the air, but your two bigs that you're your big two right now have been gelling. They just need to work on some things. And B needs to be prepared for double teams. You know you're going to get double teams. So why the hell are you acting like you can't evade it or you don't see it coming, which I don't understand. Now, granted, he didn't play tonight. He's going to be out for about two weeks. Uh, he's getting surgery performed tomorrow from what everybody's been saying. Hopefully he comes back. He's not a whole out of ordinary or not out of ordinary, but more of like out of whack in terms of what he can do on the court. You know, hopefully he keeps the same mentality that he has now. If that's the case, the Sixers are going to go far for the remainder of the season. Um, but granted, he's out for two weeks. For what it looks like, they're going to be reevaluating that hand and seeing what's going on from that point. My thing I wanted to address with kind of hard for me to say this part, but something I want to address about Brett Brown is your accountability and your 
coaching scheme. You know, some plays look a little bit undisciplined, a little bit, but then some of them did go out well. What is the identity of the Sixers team? Because I still don't know what the identity is. Are we aggressive? Are we going to be laying back? Are we going to just be on the strategic side of it? What is this team about? You know, what is this team going to become? Hopefully the remainder of the season we can get an identity because I personally still don't see the identity. People may agree with me on that. People may disagree with me on it. That's fine. That's what I got this podcast for. I'm going to have a link set up to where you can shoot me any type of messages you'd like to shoot me. Join the Facebook page as well. We definitely are. I'm definitely not we. I'm definitely grateful for that if you want to go that route. I just have a lot of questions on the Sixers right now. I mean, granted, this win was a great win against a rival team. I have a few friends. Justin Page, I'm talking about you. I'm definitely talking about you, my man, down there at the game who were at the game tonight. Big Boston fan. I know he loves that team with a fiery passion. Um, there was an opportunity for the minutes. Marcus Smart dropping bombs, and he's not really – people say he's not a three-point shooter that well. The man was dropping bombs out there. I mean, dropping straight threes whenever he got a chance, whenever he got a second. Did have that one little foul on uh, Richardson that looked like it wasn't really his fault. He was trying to get up, and I guess he froze in terms of getting up because he did clip him there a little bit. But it's just something to just talk about, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that the Sixers need a little bit more work in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to be. Do I think, do I see them, or do I think I see them as a championship team right now? I'm 50-50. I see splashes, but I want to see consistency. Uh, That's the thing. I know at home we play way better at home than we do out on the road. That's something that needs to be addressed, and that's also pretty much every Philadelphia team. Uh, we've played better at home than we do on the road. Sometimes we play against better play better teams and better players at home for sure than we do on the road in our own house. Um, it's just something that we want to look forward to. But coming up here in the next minute or so, we're going to be discussing a different turn here on how the season with the Eagles has turned out uh, coming up here in a second. I know this seems rushed. Like I said, this is my first ever podcast so bear with me i'm pretty sure we're going to make things a little bit better coming up and we'll just go from there so the next thing i want to get back into here is a topic that's been on my mind since we lost to the damn seahawks a game that i personally thought we could have won no matter what situation we got into but that wasn't the case due to some uh uncertain penalties that weren't thrown in that game particularly one with a helmet to helmet contact but uh, for me, a question that a lot of people that I have here, and it's going to be thought about and you know, uh, asked or any response to be given, and we'll look at that, uh, or I will look at that come the next podcast episode in a week or two here, is that, you know, do I think the Eagles had a great season? Oh, hell no. <laughs> they damn sure did not. But was I proud of how this team tried to come back from uncertainties like for instance that three game stretch where we honestly thought we're I thought we honestly were going to lose against the Patriots uh in a bigger manner there um I thought that we were going to beat Miami that didn't work out too well at all because we played to their level um some of the Detroit was another game where I thought we should have dominated and we did not play to our level we played to the other team's level 
And it's just annoying to me how that continued to happen. Granted, Carson was not that great in the beginning of the season. Uh, he did have some splashes here and there, but I know injuries played a role with him in his decision-making. Uh, I know he's a very com- competitive guy that wants to win games, but my man, you got to protect yourself. You know, the dumb plays with throwing the ball, but it ends up being a fumble or interception because he's not throwing the ball away. Or sometimes you got to just take the damn sack. Like, to hell with throwing it. Take the sack. I mean, nobody wants to lose yards, but better off in that situation. You can always gain yards back. It's just playing smart, fundamental, and institutional football at that point. Uh, Something that kind of caught my eye during the season, like I said, the improvement during the second half that he had was phenomenal. You know, dealing with the injuries on the on the offense, the things that were going on there, I thought he improved greatly. Um, not trying to be delusional with it at all, so I know some people may think this man's talking some bullshit. I truly think, given some off-season help, keynote there, hi, Rosen, I'm talking about you, my man, giving some off-season help, I believe that next year Wentz could be better given some weapons. But it also means we got to talk about some people who might not be here next year. Some of that being dead money. Oh, Sean Jeffries one topic of conversation. Nelson Aguilar is another topic of conversation. You know, what's going to happen with Jason Peters? It's time for that man to retire in my eyes. Are we going to keep Greg Ward and Boston Scott? I pray to God they do. Keep Greg Ward and Boston Scott. The Eagles are the oldest team in the NFL. The oldest. For God's sakes, our best franchise player for our franchise, the offensive lineman is about to be 40 in the next couple of years. We have no young guns that can that showed up until we pulled them off the practice squad and activated them for regular season game. We brought back Deshaun Jackson, which I love Deshaun Jackson. Don't get me wrong. He's often injured. Usually his first season going to a new team or wherever he goes, he's often injured. He did show up in that Redskins game. Two nice deep ball passes going to him, and he got touchdowns on him. But often injured. So we should be able to pick up a player in the draft somewhere who is a speedster and develop him so they can be that back-end speedster behind him. Personally, with Nelson Aguilar, I believe that you know maybe maybe time to just eat that $9 million. Uh, he's been having way too much of an up-and-down career where he's catching passes, but he's afraid to take a hit. Reminded me of a certain Todd Pinkston back in the day who would be afraid to take the hit. Sometimes you got to just take the hit. You know, especially if you're going to play a slot, you're going to be across the middle more often than you would be going on an out route or going on a, you know, a uh, straight route or anything like that. You're going to get hit across the middle. That's something that happens in football. And the middle is a dangerous area because you're going against the linebackers. And sometimes if the DB drops down, you got to worry about the safety too. Uh, that's just things that I think the Eagles need a lot of work on there is personnel in terms of players. Also, since I saw it today, personnel in terms of offensive coordinator and a new wide receivers coach, Mike Groh is gone. Now, yesterday everybody may have seen the press conference with Howie and with Doug and how they said that, how Doug said, excuse me, that they were going to be staying. Come today, they got got. Jim Sources might be the Browns' New head coach, we don't know. Granted, he interviewed. I doubt it, but he interviewed for it. And if he got it, kudos to him. You know, the man deserves an opportunity, such as everybody else. But the question is, for me, a 
big question is, should they finally give that man Deuce the opportunity of becoming an offensive coordinator? He's interviewed multiple times in the past, uh, was always on the first to interview. And granted, we know that Doug's offense is very pass heavy. It's not something that's uh, run game like first. It's always a pass heavy type of offense he runs. But could the experiment be there with Deuce being able to be an offensive coordinator? He was a running back. He was also very adept with pass catching out of the backfield. I say go for it. I'm not mad at if they give it to him. I'm not mad if they don't give it to him. But I'm pretty sure if they don't give it to him this time around that he's going to end up going to a different team. He's going to go somewhere where he can have that opportunity, where he can be a higher up in the coaching chain, where he can do more. Uh, I think it may be time to give it a shot. Let's see if we can have a homegrown guy be an offensive coordinator, someone who's been with the team for a while, who understands the team, who understands the players, who understands the scheme and how we want to play Smash Mouth football here, hopefully play Smash Mouth football here, and develop that person and see what happens with him developing the team. Like I said, he knows the players. He knows the schemes. He knows the strengths, knows the weaknesses. And look what he's done with that running back core. Look what he's done with those running backs. He's got Boston Scott was a no-name on a practice squad. Blowing up. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, blowing up. This you, this new, this new, man is about to be the new Darren Sproles. In my eyes, he is the new Darren Sproles. Sanders has been having a had a great season for a rookie. Great season for a rookie. I was confused with the uh, Jordan Howard thing. They kept saying he was injured, and they said he was active, but... We never seen him after the uh, shoulder injury. Don't know what the hell happened to that shit. So just, next thing you know, he's active but not on the field. You brought Jay Ajayi back for what? I guess to add depth, Jay Ajayi didn't do shit. Jay Ajayi, I wouldn't have even thought about bringing him back. Now, granted, you brought him back, but then you saw the production that your practice squad player, Boston Scott, has shown you. So you already know what's about to happen there. J.J. is going to be gone. Jordan Howard, we don't know about. If we got the money to keep him, I would say keep him, but I highly doubt they'll do that. So he's going to get paid elsewhere, I think. You know, all Sean, that'll be a lot of money and dead money going out because he's technically due to get that $24 million. We don't know how that's going to play out. Nelson Aguilar for $9 million. I would personally go dead money on that and shop that around a bit maybe or let him go and hit the free agent and see who would take him. I'd Pretty, I'm sure if that man with the free agent, he would get drafted, picked, not drafted, picked up by somebody uh, somewhere who needs a wide receiver. I'm not saying he's a bad receiver at all, but he's just inconsistent with his hands, and the man's hands are huge. You know, he should be able to go out there and produce more, I believe, and he's just not producing. Like, he'll have a great game, then the next game, you know, he's dropping every ball that comes his way. I go back to the Atlanta Falcons game, week two. Could have won the game. If he would have caught the ball on that outside, on that left side, could have won the game. Literally had a one-on-one matchup, had his man beat, had to worry about the safety coming up. He still had opportunity, but he was worried about the hit. And I get it. They had a lot of injuries there, so maybe players were worried about hits more than they were at actually catching the football the way they needed to. I can't tell you what goes through your mind says I'm not on that field. So I'm just, for what I see, it just looks like, okay, you're afraid to take a, take a crack. You're going to get a hit hard and you're afraid to take that hit. And it showed a lot during the season, how 
he was when it came to having him be one-on-one or stretching the field, which he's a fast receiver. He's not slow, but with him being in one-on-one situations or double cover situation, he was not looking to catch that football at all at by no means. So hopefully off season shows us a little bit more on what's going to go down and how we can improve, especially come draft time. Um, we all know how he is aggressive and is a magician when it comes to that sort of thing. So I'm hoping he can pull something off. I don't know what the limited cap space that we have, but we should be good. Granted, last this this year with free agency and with trades, he ain't do that good to me. Uh, he wasn't that much productive. You got the young man Avery from the Browns who had a couple decent little plays here and there, but not enough to really bolster a team that is very, very injury-driven that had a lot of injuries on site where one man, granted, can change a team up, but that, that trade didn't do much for me at all. I'm not going to lie to you. That did nothing for me. Uh, I thought it was a good move just to have some death at the on the defensive line, but what we needed to have more, even though we need death at the defensive line, we need some offensive help, and we didn't get any of that offensive help until you decide to activate practice players. That's something that's going to boggle my mind for a bit. Now, another side note. Well, speaking about coaches, where I went back to that. Something I wanted to bring up as well here is the Dallas damn Cowboys, America's shittiest team, not favorite team. Shout uh, sorry to all the Cowboys fans out there, but trust me, y'all not the America's team no more. Y'all trash. Y'all been trash ever since. Has made a coaching change after having eight seasons with Garrett as their coach. Decided to finally go ahead and fire this man after eight seasons of eight and eight records and possibly one good season where they could have made a splash but ended up fucking failing like always and you went with Mike McCarthy the Mike McCarthy from the Green Bay Packers ex-head coach of the Green Bay Packers a man who has gone to a Super Bowl had much success with the Packers against Dallas now According to what Jerry Jones has said, he stayed over Jerry Jones' house. They had dinner. They talked. First of all, I'm not staying over my boss's house for a damn thing. I don't give a shit if it's a snowstorm outside. My ass is not staying at my boss's crib. I am sorry. I will not be there. Like I will go for dinner, hop on a plane, take my happy black ass right back home. Like Problem solved. But they decided to go with Mike McCarthy as their new head coach. Do I think it would benefit them? Maybe. At the same time, I'm not sure because that team has other issues. That other issue is Jerry Jones himself. My mans, listen, you had multiple seasons where y'all going eight and eight. You had one chance at the playoffs where you did somewhat decent. You failed at that too. You as a GM need to you just need to step down. Be an owner. You're trying to be an owner, a, a GM. What's next? If Mike McCarthy don't work, we're gonna be the damn coach too. You, you need to sit down. Sit down, chill out, sip on your whiskey, whatever the fuck you drink, I don't know. But just calm your butt down because at the end of the day, you being the GM is also hurting your team. You're not helping your team, you're hurting your team. You're hurting your team. Now, I don't know if they're going to look at Mike McCarthy as a temporary solution. I don't know if they're looking at having where... 
bringing in uh, Jason Witten, eventually have him be the coach of the team. I know Jason Witten has been there for a long, long time. He's been associated, associated with the Cowboys for a long time. And he, Jerry Jones respects him a lot. There were other options at coaching. I think they could have gone with over Mike McCarthy. I have a 50-50 feel, like as much as I do in this whole entire segment here, about this, like about that that coaching decision. One coaching decision, I was actually shocked that happened with the Giants, though. The Giants decided to go with Joe Judge. I don't know who the hell Joe Judge is. From what I've did my research on, he played, he coached under Belichick as an assistant coach. Belichick has groomed a lot of coaches out of there. Look at Matt Patricia and a few others. And he talked. I liked his, his interview, though, that they had with him when he announced he was coming out. And he uh, he made a good point that he wants to go back to old school, aggressive, punch you in the face football. He doesn't care what draft pick you were. He doesn't give a damn about how long you've been with the team. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to play and who the best players will be on the field. Personally, granted, I know I'm an Eagles fan, but the way the Giants played this year, you got a young talent in Daniel Jones. You have a young talent in Saquon Barkley. You have young talent with Darius Slayton. You know, you still got uh, Sterling Shepard out there. You got Golden Tate out there as a veteran receiver. I think that team needs it. I think that team needs a little bit of a structure for them to do anything. Do I expect them to have a great team come the next few years? Oh, hell yeah. They're going to have a good team come the next few years, especially if they do the draft right, free agency right. I believe they will be. I don't see them not. Do I see them winning the NFC East? Who knows? Because everybody knows that the NFC East is one of the harder divisions to win in. Redskins, we already know ain't going to be shit. Granted, they got Ron Rivera. But I would be afraid for Ron Rivera being with the Redskins because you have to deal with Daniel Snyder. And that whole entire stupid front office that they have, I just don't see him having a full successful season. Now, I do think that the Redskins defense will get bolstered up a bit. There is that connection with Rivera and Josh Norman, which is still there. I just don't think that they're going to be much of a threat still because of the front office. I think the front office will ruin everything they're trying to do again as they've done in previous seasons. The NFC East is the most interesting division in all of football. And I got to come back to it. And I know right now the segment was just myself talking. So side note, I am hoping to have more people on in the future here. But uh, the NFC East is the most interesting division throughout all the NFL. It truly, truly is. I mean, we have teams that go hard during division games. There's no true dominant, like, you suck team out there. Um, for, For the past few seasons, though, it has been the Cowboys and us birds sitting on top of that division every time. It's, it's been us. Do I see the Giants creeping in there come the next few years? Oh, yeah. Do I see the Redskins potentially? Maybe, depending on what they get done right. Maybe they may make it somewhere. For the next few seasons to come, though, I think the Eagles and what we have, and depending on what happens with our staffing and our coaching and personnel changes and all that stuff that's coming up soon, I think we have a stronger possibility of winning 
the NFC East again. We pretty much are going to get it again, but it all bars upon on a few topics here. Carson's health, how's he slinging the football, receivers catching the football. How about cornerbacks? One thing I forgot to mention previously, cornerbacks in their play. Are we going to get somebody who can literally become a shutdown corner that we need? Can we get people who know how to defend and not just be fast or get turned around on a double move? I'm talking about you, Jalen Mills. Who do we have that we can find out there that can bolster that secondary? Secondary is trash. Superiorly trash. Jim Swartz's defense is based around the front four. We all knew that. He used the front four more than anything else, but that secondary needs to have help. But back on what I was talking about here, because I got a little carried away, back to coming back to it. Another coaching change that I saw today that I, this is where I said it was interesting with the Giants, was Matt Rule going to the Panthers. Matt Rule is a New York native. Figured why not go for Matt Rule. You know, you got a local guy. If you are the Giants, you have a local guy there who does have a winning record, uh, had a decent record with Baylor, had a decent record with Temple when he coached there. But they decided to go with Joe Judge, went with a Belichick move. Now, this man has taken over a a previously coached team by Ron Rivera down with the Panthers. He's all, like I said, he's a Temple guy. So he came from Temple. Do I think we might run into a bit of a snag first season? Our first season coaches usually don't have the best winning records right now, right out of the gate. But do I think Matt Rule will shake some heads in that division and shake some heads in the NFL with the Panthers? Oh, yeah, 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 I see it. Do I see Cam Newton being the heads, the starting guy down there? Nah. I think the best move for Cam Newton right now, even though there's a coaching change, I think the best move for Cam is to go ahead and go to another team. Um, I think Cam is overrated. I think he was not the best player. Granted, he's a dual-threat player, but he's just overrated in my eyes. You know, I like the, the young man they had behind him. I forgot his name, but the young man that took over for him while he was injured. I thought he had some good plays and had a couple good games there. And I just think it's time for the Panthers to move on from Cam Newton. I've been saying that for a while now. Cam Newton is not that great. I just believe that it's time for them to move on from him and look to the future uh, more or less than just stick with Cam Newton. I don't know what the Panthers are doing. Same thing with every other, almost all the other teams that were quote, quote, supposed to be good this year. Atlanta, I'm looking at you. Browns, I'm looking at you. San Diego, I'm looking at you. Like, there's just so many questions out there about everything. But um, like I said, guys, this is the first segment here. Uh, Next segment, I will be touching base on a few things in the next segment. One topic of mine, next segment we'll be touching on is hockey. Uh, I haven't really followed that much this season, so I'm going to say right now I'm probably going to sound like a deer and look like a deer in headlights talking about the shit. But I'm going to give it my all, give my best. I plan on having some guests come on with me. Hopefully, those who know hockey a little bit better than than mine, knowledge of it. But uh, as well as what are people looking forward to with our good old-fashioned Phillies coming up this spring? You know, who's going to be going to some of those games and what do you expect that record to be? But I'm going to sign off now. So I would say think of this as a trailer, I'm guessing, uh, for this podcast. Please give me some feedback on it, where you think it can be improved upon, where you think... Uh, things would be a little better for sure. Like I said, I'm new to this, so it'd be nice to have that feedback from you guys and 
seeing where we can where we all can improve this show to where it could be like I said in my previous description of it for fans by fans at all times guys all right this is Mars signing off